We'll turn to Second Peter chapter 3. We're nearing the end of the study we got this week and next week, and we've been looking at what we're calling selected statements by Peter. And we look at his statements, but we look at them in the context of how they fit together. And so there's a lot that we can know and apply. At the end, and we're at the end, we see at the end he comes up with really a dual thing. Let me see if I can get it to work. Whoop, there we go. We, Peter's last words, he gives a warning and he gives an encouragement. We saw the warning already. The warning was in verse 17 where he says, you know, be, be warned, be, be careful, guard yourself so you don't fall away. And, and we're not talking about salvation, of course, but fall away by the teaching of unprincipled men. You fall from your steadfastness. We talked about that. And then he gives this encouragement. And, and, and if we started last time, the charge is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes, let me just throw this out. Sometimes when you read a verse like that, and it says, uh, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him the glory. You think, we think it says, grow in grace and grow in knowledge of what? We think the Word of God, but no, it doesn't say grow in the knowledge of the Word of God there. We'll see this more next week. It says grow in the knowledge of what? Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about that. And then how do we grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. So this week we're looking at what we're calling grace part two. I don't know if I put it that way. I did. Growing in grace part two. And then next week uh, we'll, fin- we'll finish it up by talking about growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? And then we'll kind of put the study together and we'll finish it that way. So there's a lot of things. Grace, let's just say it. Grace is such a key word. It's found in the Bible over and over and over 170 times in the Bible. Grace means unmerited favor. And when you think about it, unmerited favor means getting what you don't deserve. It's like a gift. It's just given to you. And God deals with us in grace totally. And we saw it last week. We're going to review a little bit of this from last week and then a little bit more details on some things we saw. But uh, a lot of people or many people do not understand grace at all. They just don't. People don't understand grace. They say grace, but they add to it. They don't understand how God deals with us in grace. And I've heard people say, it's all the grace of God, but you must be willing to do the following things. That's not the grace of God. That's you. That's a different thing. And so we, we just need to really understand what is grace. And so people say grace, but they add to it all the time. In this last section, Peter talks about growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's pretty powerful, the encouragement to believers growing in grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, grow in the knowledge, grace and knowledge, because God, Jesus, gets all the glory. Notice, if you would look at the end of verse 18, he said, or verse 18, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him, Jesus Christ, be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So the bottom line of growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ is that Jesus gets all the glory. So we're going to see how does that all fit. If you remember, there, this is the contrast, because last time he talked about uh, don't, don't fall from your unsteadfastness, but keep on growing. And that's really the kind of the key there is keep on growing. And that's plain for believers that, that the plan is to grow. First Peter 2, 2 is a newborn babe. Desire what? The sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Hebrews chapter 5 says, in Hebrews chapter 5, he says, but he's writing to these believers in the book of Hebrews, and he says, by this time, you should be teachers. He said, but somebody needs to teach you all over again the basics. And then he says, so let us go on to maturity. And so as believers, every one of us in this room, we should be saying we're trying to grow and go on to maturity. There are some people who trust Christ when they're very young, and they have a whole lifetime to grow. There are some people a little bit older. But the goal is that when you believe in Christ, you don't stay a baby. As he says, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere, desire the sincere work of the word, uh, milk of the word. And so what happens sometimes is people, uh, they believe in Christ and they never grow. 
And, and I think there's a twofold problem there, and it's not really we're talking about this, but I think the twofold problem is number one, the person never understands that it is their goal to study the that it is their responsibility to dig the scripture, put it together, understand it, and, and live it out. That is their responsibility. The second thing is there are churches that they're connected with that have no idea of discipleship. And then in their minds, the, the, the thing that they're supposed to do is just tell people about Jesus and then hope for the best after that. And so I think a lot of Christians have gone all of their lives never being taught Scripture, never being taught how to get to the Scripture for themselves, and that's part of the reason that they don't grow. And so as, as Peter says, look, be careful. Don't get, don't get with the error of unprincipled men and fall, but what you need to do is grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We talked about this last week. We put this outline up, and so I want to touch on it as we go through it, and it's the whole idea of grace. And I, I think grace is, is so misunderstood, but I think it's probably, you know, probably the key of the Bible is the grace of God. How does God deal with us? Because what could God do? God could destroy every human being that's ever existed because nobody measures up to him. And in fact, as a whole, human beings are in rebellion against him. But God is a God of grace, and he deals with us in grace. So we raised these questions from last time. We said, what is grace? And then look at grace in the Old Testament and New Testament. What do the words mean? And then we talk about God's grace dealing with the world and people and believers. And we then looked at the big three, and it's from Titus 2. We said, grace of God for salvation, Christian life, and the future. And then our response to grace. So we're going to just kind of review some of that from last week quickly. And then we'll slow down a little bit when we get to the part that, that we didn't finish up. But the very first first thing we started with, what exactly is grace? And it is unmerited favor. It is given what we don't deserve. It is uh, a gift. It is given completely without any strings attached. When you think back to the Bible and you think about how God dealt with Israel and he called Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and a blessing. He didn't say, if you obey me, I'll give you the land, the seed, and the blessing. It was the grace of God. He got the land, the seed, and blessing, whether he obeyed or not. And uh, the whole idea, he said, if you believe in me, I give you what? What do we get when we believe in Jesus? We get eternal life. He didn't say, now, if you keep hanging in there, I'll, I'll let you keep the eternal life. Uh, he, he didn't say, you got to keep doing your thing. No, it's all grace. Grace is, is really like a present. That's what it really is. It's a gift. Romans, 1, uh, Romans 11, 6 says, if it is works, it is no longer grace. You know, otherwise, grace is not, is, no, is not grace. If you add one work to it, if you put any work connected with it, and that's why it amazes me. I've, I remember listening to a guy, and I've told you all this before, So, but he, it was a guy on television, and he was standing up, and he was talking about the grace of God and how God uh, wanted to save you simply by faith. And I'm, so I'm listening, I'm going, this is wonderful. Guy's right on, and he says, so what you need to do is repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down the aisle, and make a public profession, and you could be saved. I talked to a, a guy yesterday that uh, actually from the Philippines came to the United States, watches all our stuff, came to the United States, and I mean this in the nice, came to the United States to see us, to see me, because they watch our stuff all the time. And they're in the Philippines. They started five churches in the Philippines. They've led hundreds of people to Christ. And he said that over there, there's, a, there's like a cult church. They call themselves Church of Christ, not like the Church of Christ of the United States, but they call themselves Church of Christ. But they say that salvation, if you want to be saved, you have to go to their church for six months, and then you could possibly be saved. And, and so when you start, start saying, is, is salvation a gift? Is salvation by grace through faith? Uh, how, how are we saved? 
And, and so the whole idea of works and everything, people are just so confused, and, and they just don't understand it. Well, let's talk about grace in the Old Testament New Testament. We saw this last week. Grace is used 170 times in the Bible. It's 131 times in the New Testament. The Old Testament word for grace is hen. And it means the same as it, as we think about it. It means something that's a gift freely given. New Testament word is charis, and it has the idea of grace. It's also tied in the root word for charis, and all that goes back to the idea of a gift. And so if you said, I'll give you a gift, it goes back to the same root word, uh, the idea of grace and a gift. It, when you think about the Bible, the first time grace is found in the Bible is, Galatia, is Genesis 6, 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God is fixing to destroy the entire world because the wickedness of man is everywhere. But one guy, God said, oh, I'll give him grace. What did, what did Noah do to earn the fact that God would save him? Nothing. Nothing. Right? And, and then he believed God when God came to him and said, I got a plan for you, Noah. I want you to build this big ark. And he went, what's an ark? And do what? And it's going to rain for, you know, what's rain? Because it hadn't rained up to that point, by the way. And so it, it was just a whole different way of looking at things. The last, Revelation 22, 21, eventually we'll get there. The grace of our Lord be with you. The beginning and the ending, the grace of God, God's grace. When you think about God's grace, I, I, I put these verses up last week. I didn't put them up this week, but Exodus 34, 6, God is a compassionate and gracious God. Nehemiah 9, God is a God of forgiveness and grace. Psalm 111, 14, God is a gracious God. Psalm 145, God is gracious and merciful. That's what God is. God is, a, is grace everywhere. And as I said, the grace of God is often misunderstood. There are people who will say something about grace or they'll say grace, and yet they add works to it. I, I don't know. I read a lot of, I read all kind of books. I read every kind of book. I read novels, but I also read theological, the, theology books. I read Christian life books. And it is not unusual to be reading a book, and on this page, the guy says, salvation is a gift by faith. And on this page, he says, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle. It, it's the same pages. And I want to say, did, does he not understand? He just changed his message one page over. And so we need to be consistent and we need to understand because grace is often misunderstood. We said it last week. If you can come to this point and say, I can believe in Jesus Christ, simply faith alone in him, and what does he give me? Eternal life, and I'm saved and saved forever. And I can never, never serve him, never do another thing. Just say, thank you for giving me eternal life, and I'm never going to serve you, I'm never going to live for you, I'm never going to do anything, and I'm still saved. And you understand, that's grace. Grace isn't, well, you better get your act together now that you're saved. Or else. No, there is no or else. Eternal life is eternal life, and eternal life begins the moment you believe. And so that's grace. And in fact, I want you to understand every aspect, and we're going to put it up here, Titus 2, 11, 12, and 13, just flip over to Titus, just flip over there. We talked about it last week. I want you to see it just a couple of pages back toward the front of your Bible. Titus 2, 11, 12, and 13 talks about the grace of God, and it, has appeared, and it is the grace of God not only for eternal life salvation, but the grace of God for Christian life salvation, and the grace of God for future salvation. 
If you've ever had the 412 or the 22, you've understood this, that the, the salvation in the Bible is, it, the word salvation doesn't, whenever you see it, it doesn't always mean eternal life salvation. There are a lot of places in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, that salvation means physical deliverance. But in the New Testament, when you see salvation, you have to look at it, and is the salvation talking about eternal life salvation? Is the, is the salvation talking about Christian life salvation? Or is salvation talking about the future salvation? We call that justification, sanctification and glorification. If this is foreign to you, you need to take the two-two, okay? You need to or come talk to me. I just want to make sure you understand these truths from the Scripture and how they fit together. The grace of God is in all three aspects, and in Titus 2, 11, 12, and 13, we actually see God's grace for salvation, which is eternal life salvation, God's grace for Christian life salvation, and God's grace for future salvation, just in those three verses. And so we started looking at those last week, and I just want to touch on them very quickly just because of time, but I want to hit on a few things there. So let, let's, let's think about it for a second. Let's think about eternal life salvation. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of... See, it's all the grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That doesn't mean everybody's saved. That means it's possible that everyone could be saved. Who caused, what do you have to do to be saved? Believe. Whoever believes has eternal life. It's that simple. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. That's appeared by, the, by Jesus Christ, our Savior. God's, by God's grace, people are saved, brought to God, not separated. That's what it is. And, and we talked last week about two aspects. We said, one, we're talking about grace and sending a Savior. He didn't have to do that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and what? Nobody comes to the Father except through me. God, in his wondrous grace, sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to become a person and to die for us. That, that's the grace of God. Hebrews 2.9 says, by the grace of God, he would taste death for every person. You know, God could have said, I'm just going to send Jesus, and he'll only die for Jewish people. Because Jesus is going to be a Jew. I'm going to bring him through Abraham, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Judah, Judah to David, all the way down, and he's Jewish, so I'm going to, in my grace, save Jewish people. He could have done that, but he said, I'm going to let Jesus die for every person, every person. And by the way, he didn't die just for believers, he died for every person, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death for every human being, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. He's the way to go to the Father. I love this verse. I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. He's writing to the Corinthians. And he's talking about their salvation, their eternal life salvation. And he says, isn't it amazing? I always thank God concerning you, Corinthians. For God's grace, which was given you in Christ Jesus. You could say the same thing about every one of us in this room. It's God's grace that we're saved. It's God's grace that he sent the Savior. That's really the key, that he sent the Savior. There's a second, by the grace of God, he tastes death for every person. That's the Hebrews passage. The second part is not only was it God's grace that he sent the Savior, but it is God's grace in being saved. We're not saved by our works, our goodness. He could say, I'm so gracious, I'm sending a Savior for every one of you, and you all have to do good works in order for this Savior to save you. He could be gracious in sending a Savior, but not gracious in the salvation aspect. He could say, you got to do good. you got to be better than most people around you. 
is which, which is the lie of the devil anyway. That's what the devil tells everybody anyway. No, we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of worse lest anyone should boast. It's a gift for by grace. And look, here's what I love. It says, by grace, that's getting what you don't deserve. You have been saved. It's past tense with a continuing results in the Greek language. So by grace, you have been saved and you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift. Remember, grace and gift are basically the same root word. So he says it twice. He said, I want to make sure you understand it. It's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. Wow. I mean, I love gifts, don't you? I like it when somebody says, hey, I got you something. I thank you so much. You know, what your tendency is when somebody brings you something, you go, oh, I didn't get you anything. Because you think they gave me something, I need to give them something. That's not grace. That's swapping. Okay? That's called swapping. Grace is somebody gives you something and you go, thank you very much. That's a gift, right? So that, that's amazing. And that's what salvation is. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. I love this right here, that being justified by his grace. Wow. So not only was it grace in sending the Savior, it's grace in being saved. And that's the, the first aspect. There's a second aspect, grace for the Christian life. If you look at verse 12, he says, instructing us. What does? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. The grace of God also instructs us, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The grace of God tells us how to live the Christian life. It's God's grace. Now, we're going to talk about it. What, what does he do? How, how does he do this for us? But he says, deny godliness and live righteously. So what does he do? I mean, his grace. Well, he gives us the Bible so that we can know it. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can live it out. He gives us spiritual gifts so we can serve him. He gives us fellow believers so we can meet together. He gives us all these things. He is the provider, the protector. He does all of these things. We can come to him anytime, place, anywhere about anything. I mean, this is what he does. And this is his grace. So he, he didn't say, I've saved you, I put you out there, you're sort of on your own. He didn't say that. He said, I've saved you, now in my grace, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to put you in the right place. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. All this is the grace of God. The grace of God. He, he's amazing. And so... We, we, we talked last week about the, the five things taught by the grace of God as far as Christian life is concerned. Here's the first one. We talked about this last week, went through it really quickly. But he says the Christian life is not a set of law or rules. It's not. Romans 6, 14, you're no longer under law but under grace. See, there's a lot of people who've always thought that we're under some kind of law and that, uh, that when you believe in Jesus, then you have all these laws and rules you have to obey to, to either stay saved or get saved or prove you're saved or something. Uh, he, he doesn't say that. It's love. The law, the law of Christ is called the law of love, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus actually said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it a little bit. I'm going to give you a new commandment, and that is to love others as... I have loved you. So he really made it amazing. We're not under law, but we're under grace. That whole aspect. The second thing is, we have the power to live for him. It's the grace of God. We talked about it a while ago. He says, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. Contrary to one another, you may not do the things that you please. He says, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you obey the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to live for him. 
Because in our own strength, nothing. We can't do anything. Apart from him, we can do nothing. In Christ, we can do all things. That's how it works. That's the grace of God. The third thing is we are to deal with one another in grace. Now, think about that. We want God to deal with us in grace, but we want to deal with law with everybody else. They didn't do what was right. Really? How do we relate to people? Do we relate to people in grace or in law? Second Corinthians 9 talks about, he was talking about giving to one another, and he talked about the grace of God, and, and our lives are under the grace of God, and we're to live uh, touching lives for Jesus Christ. So how do you relate to other people? With grace? You know that do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? That's the, you know, it's in there. And so we say, well, yeah, I want them to be real nice to me. Are you real nice to anybody else? Well, not always, right? So how do we relate to people? It says relate to them in grace. It, it goes back to where the forgiveness aspect where it says, be kind, tender, hearted, forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. It also says be gracious to one another just as God has been gracious to you. You know the story of where the two guys, the, there was an owner, and the two guys uh, owned, owed him a lot of money. He brings in one guy, and he says, you owe me a lot of money. I'm fixing to put you and your family in prison. And it was like millions of dollars. I mean, in fact, the way it's written in the Greek, it's more than any person in that day and time could imagine having. And he begs, oh, he said, okay, I'm going to be gracious to you. I forgive the debt. I let it go. Forgiveness and grace. He goes out, the guy who, just, who didn't have to pay millions of dollars, and he finds a guy that owes him about 100 bucks. And he says, you owe me 100 bucks. And he went, oh, I can't pay it right now. And so he chokes him and throws him in jail. And uh, the other slaves come to the master and said, you forgave that guy millions of dollars. And he just took one of the other guys and threw him in jail for 100 bucks. And so he comes back and says, I forgave you, and I was gracious to you. You didn't forgive him. You weren't gracious to him. How should we relate to people? Grace and forgiveness. Look at this. We proclaim, the fourth thing is we proclaim the message of salvation, which is a grace message. I want to read this to you. To me, this is Paul talking about himself, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. He said, it was the grace of God. I got to take the message of grace to this world. Do you realize that when we walk out these doors, we're not going out telling people they got to get their act together or they got to live good or they got to start being a different kind of person. We're going out and we're telling them, we got some really good news for you. God has made a way for you to have eternal life, not based on what you do, but based on his gift to you. That's the grace of God. We get to do that. I, I've never been really a salesman. I mean, I've not done that kind of thing. I've, I've never really gone door to door and sold things. I have people, you know, and, but I thought about it. What if you went to the door and you knocked on the door and you had refrigerators? And you said, I got a whole bunch of refrigerators in this truck and we're giving them away. So I've come to your house. Would you like a refrigerator? You know, that's grace, isn't it? We're going to people and saying, God has a salvation gift for you. Oh, they don't care about that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. We serve one another in grace. First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, each one has received a gift. 
use it in serving one another as the manifold grace of God. Everything he does is grace. Wow. So, by his grace, we have the power to live for him. By his grace, we get to serve in the gospel and the gifts and all of these great things. That takes us to the third one, and that's grace for the future. Notice, it says, looking for, this is verse 13, looking for the blessed hope in the appearance. So, the grace of God has appeared, and we're looking, based on the grace of God, for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Jesus coming in the clouds. This is not second coming. Listen, when he comes the second time, there's not going to be a lot of grace there. He's coming to judge. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation, and we're going to go through chapters basically 6 through 19. That's not grace. That's judgment. There is grace message of salvation, but that this is judgment. And when he comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords in Revelation 19, 11, he's coming to judge. His eyes are a flaming of fire, and he has a sword. This rapture, in which he comes to get us, it's the grace of God. We're looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory. We're looking forward to him coming anytime. Any, it, it could be any second. He's already told us that he's got in his father's house, there are many rooms, he's going to go get it. When he gets it ready, he'll come back and get us. First Thessalonians says the, there'll be the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, that we who are alive and remain be caught up together with him to meet him in the air. And thus will always be. And then he says, so comfort one another. It's the grace of God. What's the next event? The rapture. It could happen any second. I mean, any second, Jesus Christ could come in the clouds, and in a twinkle of an eye, we'd be gone. That's the grace of God. People say, well, the world's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. I don't know how much more I can stand. Well, he may come get you. You don't have to stand any more of it, you know? I've had people come to me and say, oh, I'm just so worried. I don't want to go through tribulation. I said, well, have you believed in Christ for eternal life? Yeah, you're not going. Don't worry. He's going to come get you. His grace. He's going to come take you out. We're going to see in the seven churches, one of the seven churches he talks about how because, because you know, they're faithful, he's going to come and take them out before the great tribulation of the world. He's saying that the churches aren't going through tribulation. We won't. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope. That's the hope of him coming in the clouds by grace. It's amazing. God's grace. Don't take it for granted. Listen to this. I don't have this verse up there. This is Ephesians. It says, in order that in the ages to come, future, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's talking about coming to get us. It's the riches of his grace. Salvation is by grace through faith. The Christian life is by grace, God's word, God's power. Our hope, as future, is all the grace of God. We all get to be with him. So finally, what is our response to grace? Because next week we're talking about grace and knowledge. This is growing in grace. Well, what is our response to grace? It is to grow to grow in grace, which has the idea of understanding and living it out and beginning to understand that salvation is a gift, that Christian life and how we live is a gift, and the whole future thing is a gift. And see, we got to understand that there are people out there that most people do not understand grace for eternal life salvation. If they do understand eternal life salvation, most people do not understand grace for the Christian life. 
They think the Christian life is some kind of set of rules and that you just got to live the best you can. They don't understand it's the law of love and that kind of thing. And then uh, a lot of people do. uh, A lot of people look for the grace of God for him coming to take us off the face of the earth. But you know about 90% of all churches in the world do not believe there'll be a rapture. 90% 90% of the churches do not believe there'll be a rapture or a tribulation. or a se- They believe there'll be a second coming. But there may be terrible stuff on the earth before the second coming. They, 90% of churches, maybe more than that, maybe more, when you start looking at all the churches and what they believe about the end times, as I told you the very first week that we started the book of Revelation, that the idea of a, what we call pre-trib, pre-millennial, that we're going to be taken out and one day there'll be a kingdom, most, pe- most believers, uh, most Christian organization churches and things do not hold to that at all. So most people miss that grace as well. So we want to grow in grace. So let me give you an application. Let's understand God's grace in our lives for salvation, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, all who believe have eternal life. The Christian life is God's grace. It's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the walk of faith. The future, we're looking for the blessed hope. Jesus is coming for us, and that is the grace of God. I mean, you know, when you're young, you say, oh, I got a lot of stuff I want to do. When you get older, you're ready for him to come. Everything's wearing out and hurting, you know, and you're saying, I'm ready. Just come on and get us. Come on and get us. The second one, let's proclaim the grace message of salvation because it's not out there, and you know it. You know it. The people from the Philippines that found us on the thing, they hold to the grace message, and they say they're the only ones around that they know of that tell people that salvation is a gift by faith in Christ for eternal life. Uh, others say you've got to come to their church for six months, and then maybe you might be saved. And then other people have other things. So let's be ready to proclaim the grace message of salvation. Third, let's seek to live a life of grace. We're not under law. We're under the grace of God and to love God and to love others.